welcome to another episode of the Other Half Podcast. I'm Jola. I'm Travis. I'm Cheryl. And welcome to our show, the show about life. Perspectives. Questions. And Jesus. So we are here for our second episode. Woot woot. Finally. I think it's actually hotly anticipated. My one of our listeners, uh, one of the three people who listen to us, uh, but has, we appreciate you. Yeah, we do. Um, has been bugging me because it's been my fault that our second episode is late because I got sick and uh, I forgot what the other thing was. But we're here. Oh dear, we're you here. have a root canal, Travis. Oh yeah, the emergency root canal. That was awful. Half <laughs> my face was numb for uh, for about twelve hours. That's weird. Kind of really nice. <laughs> but anyway, we're well, here now. Feeling and, better. And this is good. I'm glad you're feeling better. All right. Well, highs and lows. I mean, was that root canal part of your highs and lows? Uh, the root canal was part of the low. The Novocaine was part of the high. Ha <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I've actually been getting a lot of headaches lately, like migraine status, and it's happening around the same time every day, and I'm hydrated. I don't know exactly what's causing it, uh, and it's been really frustrating and hard. Um, so that's probably my low. It's just what's going on with my face and head and all this pain. The high would be two things. One is... Today, I just threw my two kids in the car, and we drove so my wife could have, could have Zoom meetings for work. And we went and saw my buddy who's been alone for like six weeks up in the middle of nowhere. And um, so he's been isolated, and we felt safe being around him. So we just went and paid him a visit for a while, and that was great. But I also have set up the hookah lounge in my basement where I've got an entertainment system, video games, DVDs. Um, a few chairs and stuff, and I'm going to start cleaning my basement a little bit more and have my own kind of little <laughs> private space, which is where I'm recording from right now. So that's way right. Little man cave, <laughs> it, it kind of, it's literally a man cave. It might more be a man murder dungeon at the moment because it looks <laughs> creepy down here, but hopefully, soon it'll just look like a, a darker room. Awesome. That's way cool. What about you, Sherry? How are you? Hmm. Well, I feel like I've got a handle on what life looks like right now. Uh, school at home is mostly getting better. I mean, okay, well, I did zero homework with my kids for two weeks because my little one becomes a rage monster when he has to use the computer which you may hear him screaming at some point during this podcast because he's mad that I talked to him about his behavior and he started screaming. And he stopped doing that when we stopped having him do homework on the computer. He just doesn't handle digital stimulation very well. And so this is a very interesting time. So all that said, he, he was grounded last week and it was like super peaceful in our house. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you shouldn't celebrate that your kids are in trouble, but it was one of those moments where, 
you know, you take your introverted child and set them apart to spend time by themselves. And they're just like their best self because of that. So that was great. Um, so yeah, that and figuring out the new normal because, you know, I'm recording my sermons earlier and it just changes my whole work week, which is a lot of change to make overnight. But I feel like I've gotten a handle on that. And then the lows probably is that my little one doesn't handle online school well. <laughs> um, it's definitely a hassle where you're like, do I jump through these hoops that the public school system is saying I have to because some administrator somewhere wants to evaluate these teachers, which is insanity. But um, we can do that on another podcast, I guess, about my thoughts on public school. But uh, uh, my public school teacher you. wife could come and join us. I mean, as a current public school teacher, I think that would be really fun. <laughs> and so, yeah, so there's a lot of like, so for instance, my kids did three to six hours of school today. And that was us just trying to sit them down with our help to do all the things that they have to do. And, oh, you know, you take teenagers, especially, and they haven't seen each other. And there's always the kid who's going to goof off. So my teenagers annoyed because there's a kid talking and then the teacher's muting all of them. So it's taking longer than I had to take. So that whole online school has been difficult, even though it's getting better. Um, but today's my dad's birthday. My dad passed away three years ago and it just, like I woke up today. And I was like, man, why is today a weird day? Like it just felt like a weird day. And my calendar, I was going through it and it was like dad's birthday. And I was like, Oh, that'd be why. <laughs> so uh, it's just hard. I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, friend. I know it's hard, but you know, everybody's alive no one died in my house today and you know it all worked out i get to hear you guys' beautiful voices so it's all good oh thank you that's so sweet what about you jola yeah. what are your highs and lows well my high and low are actually the same thing <laughs> um campus is closed for the rest of the year and that's a high because um down here, I was actually pretty scared that they would be like, no, you're actually going back in May. And I'm like, bruh, how am I supposed to teach five-year-olds how to social distance? Does not compute. And, but it's also really sad because I feel like particularly this class did not get half of what I typically do with um, the classes I've had in previous years. And now to get the most fun part of the year take it away from them it just mm. it really breaks my heart and to be honest I miss my kids <laughs> I mean one of the perks of being an extroverted kindergarten teacher is I get all their energy I mean they exhaust me but they also like really I thrive off of that energy and um, that interaction most of the day and so far I've only really been able to see two kids on camera um, out of my 22 so that's been kind of hard to not be able to really make connections with each of my kids in fact this entire time I still have not reached um, two of my kids and not for lack of trying I just don't have any good contact information for them and so um, I'm my teacher heart is worried <laughs> I'm praying that they are fine but you know the not knowing part is also really hard so, I mean, I'm glad that we are taking measures that are safe. Um, I'm sad that I don't get 
to see my kids and also my coworkers. And like Shara said, online school is hard. Also from the teacher side, because I don't know how, but I'm actually busier working from home and teaching from home than actually being with my kids in my class, which if you've ever been in a, in a kindergarten class, you're, you're like, how, what, huh? <laughs> Cause we don't ever sit down. We don't ever like, there is no pause between the, when the school hours are, um, when the school doors are opened. So, but that's how our highs and lows. And when we get back, we will start our Sunday driving topic. This episode, Celebrity Christians. Welcome back. We are starting our Sunday driving topic. Today we are talking about celebrity Christians. What's a celebrity? That's paparazzi sound. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So <laughs> camera shutters. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Thank you. We have I've been working on that impression effect. I was ready to bust it out. <laughs> I'm really glad no one can see my face on this podcast. <laughs> I love you so much, Cher. Uh, but why don't we start with the definition, though? Like, what do we think a celebrity Christian really is? Oh, that's a good question. Cheryl, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. I think that it's someone who may or may not be an actual Christian. I definitely think it's most often someone who has been associated with mainstream Christianity, whether that is, you know, someone who has something to market or someone who is preaching the gospel or someone who is singing Christian music, but someone who has been associated with often also like mainline evangelical Christianity and is out and someone who is known. That makes sense. I think that's a really good definition. That's a a good distinction there is by saying someone who's known kind of as that celebrity status, um, have a level of fame in the eyes of the Christian market. Yes, because they're not all professed believers. Uh, they're not. They obviously don't all have the same doctrinal agreements. So if you're going to do a real Scotsman, and be like, well, they're not actually Christian, or well, they're that type of Christian, it kind of will blow everything out of the water. But um, putting it in that framing is really helpful. How does the greater Christian community see this person? And I'd say it's whenever that person reaches of the what we would regularly call a celebrity when they reach that status of being so well known highly visible highly visible yeah and mm-hmm. often with money with an income that matches that it not does. always but often it often does or the appearance of said oh yeah because i mean we don't know these people's financials <laughs> it just looks real good on instagram <laughs> yep that's true (laughs) and we'll get to that we will we will 
Um, and we also want to talk about why we're talking about celebrity Christians. Um, and a little bit of backstory, this topic originated a few years ago and the topic, the um, conversation has since evolved um, given A, time and B, our current climate with um, COVID-19 and how um, the evolution of technology and its place in the church as well. Because way back when, when the church first started, you know, with tech and whatnot, it was kind of the same appeal as TV. You know, when TV first came out, and they're like, that's the devil box. (laughs) 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 You know, everything was sinful. Devil in every doorknob. But now we're seeing it used as such an amazing tool to um, spread the gospel to the far reaches of the earth. And right now, at this point in time, this is that is the only real safe way that is happening with um, a lot of the mandated stay-at-home orders. Right. There was a pretty specific thing that happened with you a couple weeks back uh, that you saw on your social media feed that really inspired us getting into this. What were the specifics on that? Do you remember? Um, I saw a story on Instagram. I believe I was on Propaganda's. um, Yeah, it was Prop. Yeah, I was props um, Insta stories, and he he raised that point that it was like, look, you know, five years ago we were telling people, you know, we can't be streaming online in church, you know, um, it the the church is, you know, the body, and you know, we we have to congregate, and he's like, and now everybody has to. <laughs> and, <laughs> right after he made that statement, he checked his mail and there was actually a book that his friend had sent him about, you know, the digital evangelism, I believe, and what that looks like in the church. Oh, I thought he got like, um, like a, uh, virtual reality kind of thing. Maybe that was part of it too. Oh, okay. I don't, it was a package, so I'm not quite, I can't quite remember what was in it. Okay. But yeah, it was that, it was just so funny him talking about, you know, people hating on uh, the live streams and multi campuses. And then, well, now you're all online. Now you're all digital <laughs> preachers. Exactly. And, and on that note, there's actually a book I really want to check out that's coming out. Maybe it just came out. Um, it's called Analog Church. Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age, and it's by J. Kim, um, and I'm hearing amazing, amazing things. It's, it's a good a, book. Is Have you read it? I've read part of it, yeah. Ooh. Because I I'm hate, excited. like, everyone's like, everyone's an online preacher now. I hate this. Can I mean, as somebody who's having to be this person, <laughs> like, and we're doing this podcast, so, like, everything within me is like, and... Welcome to hypocrisy, Cheryl. This looks great on you. Um, (laughs) But it, you know, because there's only so many hours in a day. And so, you know, my little church that's in a city outside of Seattle, you know, there's a hundred thousand people in my town. I mean, it's a city, but it's a town. And we overnight started streaming our services online and I have a daily prayer meeting and I'm doing online Bible studies. I mean, all stuff that I would have done before. And yes, you can meet some people with that, but I've got 
people without computers at home and people who don't even have a smartphone. So how, right. you know, to some extent, this idea that we can just reach everyone online is a farce. You know, there are people that will not reach and we do need people in our lives because there's someone at my church who I was talking to yesterday and they said, yeah, someone asked me, you know, is your church live streaming? What are you doing? And she said, I had to admit that I had no idea. And so this is someone who like has been given the information about what we're doing as a church. And she had no idea, which tells me she's not watched a sermon since, since March 8th. And it's what April 21st. So, (laughs) you know, I can believe that I'm putting content out there and believe that, you know, people are, they have the ability to watch it. That doesn't mean that they are. And it doesn't mean they're actually connected to the church at large and what we're doing right now. And so I don't know. I, I kind of have like a love hate relationship with this era right now where yes, we need to have our stuff online for people who can't come, especially new moms and other people who are sick. But at the same time, we, I don't think it's necessarily a perfect substitution or what we're really called to, because we are called to gather together. And what does that look like in the future? How many people should we really be having gathered together? So I don't know. There's a lot in that, but I, it, I, that's a whole I episode spend, right there. Yeah, it really I, is. I a lot of time just getting like my sermon used to be ready by Sunday morning. Now I have to have it ready by Wednesday and there's editing. I have to do, there's different slide work. I have to do, there's different, uh, marketing work, there's analytic work that I have to do because I don't have a team, like a staff team to do all that. I get to do all of that. And so, <laughs> because now the analytics of what I'm doing and how I spend my time as a pastor have changed. And so I kind of hate it. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand that. Cause I mean, we are facing kind of the same um, issue with public school and that just because I'm putting it out there, just because I'm offering it doesn't mean anyone's picking it up. Where everyone has the ability to pick it up, so I agree. This that would totally be um, a a really interesting topic for us to explore um, a little bit later as well. But I mean, it's super relevant, and I hate that you're feeling that way as well. You know, it it is not ideal, but I'm glad we still have a way to connect. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, and even like the commodification of people and stuff we have on our list here to talk about where, so if you're going on just a numbers base, so my church before all this started was running about 50 to 70 people on our Mm -hmm. website alone. We have 50 people watching the sermon on Facebook. I have over 500. So you would go, Oh my gosh, overnight. She's just this, you know, take off celebrity Mm -hmm. and everything within me is like, who are these of 450 500 additional people that are watching this and what in the world? Oh, uh, so our church is also doing streaming and my son, Wesley, who's five loves to watch the videos. Mostly he just watches the musical portions, but uh, our pastor and I were talking on the phone the other day. We were FaceTiming because Wesley called them, of course. And uh, (laughs) we were laughing about how, Probably over half of their views. It have to just be Wesley over and over watching the songs and everything. He's like, man, our Easter video blew up. I was like, we watch it four times a day. Like, it's just on in the background. We hear you preaching and we hear Chris singing. And, um, but yeah, so it is interesting, like, how it makes you feel like who is watching you and who isn't and 
how many people you're reaching or connecting with or like even the language we use for that is weird and mm-hmm. a bit misleading mm-hmm. um how many but, impressions if you're really going to look into you know the analytic yeah. side of all of it how many impressions are you giving to people how many um starts how many stops and i'm like and i i can see how it, it can really um and i pray for pastors in this way that you don't necessarily um connect your worth with those numbers well absolutely like, with mm-hmm. a whole mega church, small church thing that was already, you know, that dynamic kind of playing out um, within um, the evangelical church. And it's now exasperated even more because, I mean, a lot of these mega churches were, I mean, it was no big deal to switch over. But so many smaller communities don't have that experience, don't have that help. And I, I also kind of wonder, I'm like, where are where are our bigger churches now mentoring these small churches or showing them, Hey, this is how we did this, you know, that kind of thing, sharing that knowledge. But But even having grown up in a big church, my question is, are people then watching the messages? Cause every week I challenge people to go do something, you know, who is checking in on people saying, Hey, what did you, you know, what was your response to the sermon this week? Because I'm not called to just preach and people take it in. We're called to have Christ change us from the inside out. Like, you know, the idea that not all of us are Christians who are doing this or that are watching. And the whole mm-hmm. point of Christ, like Christ's coming is that our life is changed from the inside out. And it, you know, revolutionizes our world. One that, you know, looks different, sounds different, is different. And I definitely, that's been a struggle for me is how do you even quantify what that looks like? And how do you start putting people into places where we can be checking in on people? We can be walking arm in arm with someone from far away online. What does that look like? Totes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to process that. (laughs) We got notes. We got notes for another episode now. We I love how, like, and I think that's part of the reason I really wanted us to do this, because as we talk, we, we explore more, more um, topics, and we just kind of, you know, create more content for ourselves. (laughs) Well, I see this note at the top that says, now we all want to be celebrities. And I'm like, I don't. I was content not having my sermons online. And then my friends were like, you need to put your sermons online. I'm like, you shut up. I don't want people to see it. And, you know, this has been very uncomfortable for me because I don't want to be, you know, well-known. And then my friends are like, listen, Jesus has things to say to you. And I'm like, you can stop talking, Holy Spirit. So um, (laughs) I don't know. I just, for me, it's a really big struggle because I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't, you know, I want to keep my kids safe and I want to make sure that um, I don't have to listen to trolls (laughs) in my life. That's true, because when we think about celebrities, I mean, often we only think about, you know, the fun side, particularly the money side that we think with it. Um, But there were so many other things that we have to take into account and so many different, um, so many different temptations, so many different um, pitfalls, so many different, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Oh, my brain just had the dumb. I mean, there is a shadow side to fame. I think that that's true no matter what kind of fame you experience. And even, you know, we've got here the apostles. They were seen as like 
the elite. They were the 12 <laughs> gathered around the Lord and those sent out. And then you've got pastors. Well, and, and you even had, sorry to interrupt, but you even had arguments in the early church of, well, I'm following Paul. Well, we're following Apollos. And yeah. um, Paul writing to the Corinthians breaks that down. It's like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> and even to the point where not only does he ridicule the idea of I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. He's like, some even say, I only follow Jesus. And he basically is like, that's a bunch of BS. Get that garbage out of here. Like, which I love. Um, But even he's breaking down that idea of status in the elite. And it doesn't matter. All that matters is um, how we're living and how we're loving. Yeah. Sorry. No, preach, church. Go ahead. And. And I think it's a good, I'll jump into this evolution part. Uh, We wanted to talk about the evolution of Christian celebrity, because this is a newer topic. uh, And it's not something that's existed really through church history, the way that it exists for us. Um, And you've just reminded me that it's not a, we're, we're, it might sound like we're doing some dogging on people, but um, we There's nothing wrong with being famous. No. There's nothing wrong with lots of people listening to you or um, even garnering some kind of profit from that. We're not saying anything like that. Like, it's okay to be known. It's okay to have successes, even in the capitalistic society where it garners you a lot of stuff. Like, it's okay to be famous and it's not an evil thing. Um, So, to do a little rundown of history, this is super rough too. Like, so if any actual scholar of this kind of topic is listening by chance. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you can send all feedback to hello at otherhalfpodcast.com. <laughs> that's a legitimate thing. You can. <laughs> but yeah, we start off with uh, the best example is the apostles. These guys are helping lead the church. They're establishing it. They're the biggest known names. Um, and they're leaders. But leaders aren't always famous and they're not um in glitz and glamour all the time and paul throughout the scriptures through his letters uh is making it pretty clear that actually my life kind of sucks in a lot of ways because i'm getting shipwrecked and arrested and you know um he's not meek mill where people are like free paul you know with t-shirts so um and then you keep going through history and you have other clergy and you have popes Again, really big names. Um, you have people who are theologians and the father of uh, Latin Christian Christianity or whatever. You know, they get these little titles. But even then, they're just um, like influential academics and things like that. It's that glitz and glamour isn't always there. Uh, and well, in America... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was saying, even then, you've got theologians who depending on how they were seen at the time some of them are seen as complete heretics and you know they're respected to an extent but they're also some of their notoriety in history is that they were you know a a heretic like that they perhaps took their you know their theology to a point where we're like uh does scripture support that i don't know i think that that kind of that kind of celebrity then is is really centered or um, the celebrity or fame or infamy or whatever you want to call it is really centered along 
the idea, not necessarily the person. You know, the ideas yes. that are being presented and pushed forth. Like, that is what really is more dominant. Whereas, as we continue throughout history, it tends to move along the, the spectrum from more being idea-led to person-led, right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Uh, maybe more from, yes, yes. Like, we move from focusing on ideas that people are giving us to the actual person. Mm-hmm. So, like, you get into America and you look at uh, the the rural preachers and the revivalists and things like that with uh, like D.L. Moody and whoever else. Uh, you get into Billy Graham's, which is much later. Mm-hmm. D.S. Warner. Uh, yeah. All these folks who are, and lots of women too at the time, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, are becoming big names uh, territory to territory. Kind of like in pro wrestling. Like, you know, Midwest wrestling has like Andre the Giant, and now he's in your territory in the South, and you got to go see him because it's Andre the Giant. Like, he does this one thing. Uh, and it was the same thing with preachers where they operated in territories, and you kind of went there just to say, I saw D.L. Moody, I saw uh, D.S. Warner. Um, but later on, we start to see people with. Uh, and authors already existed, but you're starting to see people make a living off being authors or you get radio. And so you have more gospel singers and things like that. You have preachers who have a show weekly uh, and it's starting to make a bigger income. It's not just about going out and speaking about religion. It's also about making money. It's also about the product and making it sound good, look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes even harder once you get to TV because then you have whole channels uh, of it and you can fill up arenas with people who want to come listen to you now and you have specials uh, on ABC or whatever and so I think through all of that it stops being about you're putting the person more front and center you're dressing them up. You're putting on makeup on them and making them look nice, presentable. Everything about them, their life looks nice. And now you have social media where it says, uh, even reality TV and reality media, where you can be a star. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think of the real world still as the quintessential reality show. It's one that's created it all. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's me. That's my brother. That's my friend. Uh, And all of a sudden, we can all be stars. We all want to be stars. And, uh, well, not all of us, but, you know, there's the the temptation of glitz and glamour and riches and just looking like you have it all together. And for a religion that speaks about transformation so much, it's easy to think that Christianity or even to sell a type of Christianity that says you will get the glitz, you will get the glamour, you will get the riches, you'll get the look, you'll get the peace and everything you want just like this person. And you begin to sell that person rather than a transformative message of interior and external change for each person. Um, and so I, I, 
maybe that's a little bit muddy, but I think we're in a space now where we've moved from just seeing people spreading a message to people trying to spread themselves. Um, I want to be an influencer on Instagram. And so I'm going to post this Bible verse or this meditation in front of uh, washed out mountain scenery, uh, which, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm subscribed to those people. I post those things. Teen- those things too um but it's just interesting that now there's a chance we can all be a celebrity have lots of likes and followers think, and be well known i mean we are all influencers in some form of the word in that we all have our social media accounts and we are all making impressions on people i think the difference is right. we all want to be paid influencers <laughs> and right through like that would be nice i mean it would wouldn't it a second stream of income i would not you know be sad about um and even still like in us doing this and debating if we want to monetize like we too are wrestling with this issue and what it looks like we've seen it play out um in the mainstream church so many different ways we've seen it you know happen well we've seen it happen not so well and we've seen it go like really really bad so (laughs) yeah and i think that's part of the fear is um, which is the next note on here is there's a commodification of people that happens when you have uh, a celebrity culture um, and it's you commodify the celebrity like we've been saying because you begin selling a person mm-hmm. an image a lifestyle um, and like Joel Osteen is people don't just buy books to hear Joel Osteen words they want Joel Osteen money. They want Joel Osteen teeth, which are really white. You know, like they want that life and they want that uh, reputation. And, and so it's a whole brand that you're trying to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not a hate on Joel Osteen or anything. Um, but I, I think that's how we often view it. And so there's we commodify celebrities. We stop considering them to be people and more to be products. And so we can criticize them more mm-hmm. and we can say bad things about them and treat them like they're not a brother or a sister. We, uh, we like, they're not a friend. like we don't have the same mama and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I am a person who thinks that if you're in the spotlight more, if you do more in public, you're deserving of some public criticism. But at the end of the day, we are called to love all people if we're Christians and uh, I think all people really ultimately want to love all people. And so it's easy to lose sight of that when you put people up on the celebrity pedestal, but on the flip side of that, we all, and then I'll shut up for a while. We, um, we become commodified as well because we become the likes and the follows and the donors and the audience. Uh, We're a statistic, we're a demographic and we just become something that the celebrity is trying to pull in and they can lose sight of our humanity. And so we're both tempted to stop seeing one another and just seeing numbers or images or um, ideas of wealth. And we see our desires Mm -hmm. instead of seeing one another. And that's a really scary thing and a very sad thing to see our desires instead of the person in front of us or the person who we never see, but 
still become a number to us. Oh, I like that. I mean, and I, um, I think we've seen that happen over and over, like hearing all the different stories. Um, you're talking about how we see people become the desires. Um, it, it makes me think of um, one of the situations that kind of prompted this episode originally. Um, I'm jumping to the bad. We'll come back to the good. Um, with, <laughs> with, um, with John Chris. And how, you know, he, as a celebrity Christian, quote unquote, and, you know, that was actually part of his bit. Um, as a John Christ is a comedian. Yes. He's a, right? Yes. He was billed as a faith based comedian. You know, that kind of, um, that kind, and he had a huge following on social media. And that's really kind of where he, he got his start and um, started doing tours to do stand-up and things like that. And so he was getting really big in the Christian circles. I mean, um, I'm not sure outside of the quote, I guess, the evangelical audience. I'm not sure how big he got, but I'm sure he was primed to make that transition. But then um, you find out that he's... Um, or it comes out that he's been involved in some improprieties with some of his fans. Um, and I think if, well, I don't want to say that cause I don't know it to be sure, but I know for sure that he was involved um, with improprieties with some of his fans. And we were like, so this is an example of someone who kind of took um, that celebrity and like commodified his fans to where now this is the thing that I want. Right. You know, and then we'll go back to the good now, but sometimes this does work. And I've actually been um, very encouraged to see how Lecrae um, has kind of navigated his social media. And you can see um, throughout his posts through. Um, Tell me who Lecrae is. Lecrae is a rapper, a hip-hop artist who happens to also be a follower of Christ. And he came... And he makes some really good music. He really does. He started on the CCM side and transitioned mainstream and lots of people were not happy. (laughs) But, you know, lots of people still stuck it out with him because they saw what he was trying to do. So, um, being able to see what I would like to call his transparency on social media and him even really say, you know, saying, you know, look, I'm really struggling. I don't want the likes and everything to be the definition of me or how I see y'all. And I think he's really been kind of transparent in that. Um, but I mean, that, that is, those were the examples that came to mind as you were talking and as we were filling out show notes and whatnot, what else, um, did you have other examples, share or trap? Uh, yeah, I'll jump in real quick on, I know I've been talking a lot, um, <laughs> on, I, I had a side thought on the bad, mm-hmm. which is when someone gets elevated, when they have a lot of fame and they're well known, uh, and there is that little bit of distance between their humanity and us, like we, it's harder for us to see and to grasp it. Uh, because we don't see all of their person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
we only see a part of their person and so we only accept a part of their humanity it becomes very easy not only to commodify them but to also and i touched on it it's easier to gossip about them Mm -hmm. and speculate um i have a lot of criticisms about a very well-known politician former reality tv star and i'm not shy about them uh in person or on the internet but uh i try to avoid gossiping about people and i try to stick to only what is known and what are observed consistent behaviors and things like that um because we do only get a part of people Mm -hmm. and that's an important thing for us to remember and um yeah just that there's a real danger when someone quote unquote falls from grace or makes one mistake or we get part of the story it's so easy for us to jump and on demonize. folks. But this person's so bad or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. yeah, we can, it's easy to throw fuel on a fire. And uh, that's not something we want to encourage or even do. One of the good examples I had uh, is Rich Mullins. He was also a singer songwriter uh, in the eighties, nineties. He has passed away, but he was making he was like topping the christian charts uh mostly with worship songs and uh some of his music was really bad and some of it was really really good he was very experimental but he uh wanted to keep people uh in front of his eye he didn't want to lose the humanity of others and he didn't want to lose the his own humanity and becoming famous so when he started making lots of money, he had someone run his budget for him and said, give me like 10% of whatever I make. Or no, it wasn't even that. He had a cutoff of how much money he could make a year, just a regular salary job kind of thing and lived uh, on a reservation uh, in the Western part of the U S and just wanted to live with uh, folks on a reservation. I think he had a camper. And he dressed very simply, like a plain white T-shirt and some jeans. And he didn't dress up real big for big events or anything like that. And then he gave away his money to people. And it was important for him to live a simplistic, minimalist lifestyle in which he was addressing the needs of the people in this nation who have great need and are overlooked. And I think that's such a wonderful example of uh, you get famous by just doing what you're good at, what you're passionate about, uh, what you're gifted at, which is all good. And it takes off really well and it brings in a lot of money, but you don't let that corrupt you at all. You don't let it steal your humanity or the humanity of others in your eyes. And instead you use it as a tool, which is yours to bless others and, and improve their lives. Rich Mullins. I, totally I think it's interesting you bring up Rich because I think that hindsight, we've looked at him as someone who did that. I think that when he was alive, it was a really big struggle for him. You know, he was a songwriter for Amy Grant before he was really mm-hmm. given a chance. He had to really fight to be recognized as a musician or a songwriter that the Christian music industry actually wanted to kind of back. Yeah. their image behind and put their weight behind and even then his relationship with Brendan Manning his friendship 
um, the author of Ragamuffin Gospel, mm-hmm. um, I think was majorly transformational for him because Rich Mullins did struggle with, am I good enough? Am I enough? And I think that if you look at yeah. more holiness based uh, Christian tribes, you know, those denominations who are more rooted in holiness, they would go, oh, well, he smoked and, you know, and he really struggled and his life wasn't as polished (laughs) as maybe it should have been. I mean, you're giggling, but you know exactly what I'm talking about where, oh yeah, you know, like you said, someone makes one poor, one, you know, wrong mistake. And I think that that's kind of what happens, whether you are a pastor, you know, I'm up in Seattle. So Mars Hill is ultra famous and, uh, and so when you're looking at pastors who have a personality flaw or they've, you know, all of us struggle with sin in an area, it's really easy to then define that person because they've been put on the pedestal of fame to say, see, that's all that they were was their weakest struggle. You know, the thing that they were weakest in, the thing that they struggled with the most. And so that, you know, I don't need anybody to tell me what I'm bad at. Like I'm well aware (laughs) what I suck at and you know, I don't need the additional eyes to say that to me, but I think that that is a huge struggle for people who, you know, there's some people who think that they're great at everything. Fame will definitely possibly humble them or fill them with, surround themselves with people who totally agree with them. I think that's the same thing. And we'll talk about that in our trash TV thing. I think whether you're talking about celebrity Christians or the Tiger King cast, like I think the same, you could say the same thing <laughs> about that group of people is, Yes. It's very, oh, I love what you added to the ugly, because um, I would agree. So that's definitely something, even with John Christ, where you've got somebody who had people around him trying to, you know, keep hold him accountable. And it's really hard to come back from a mistake in the Christian world. And there are singers, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> We're sorry, I'm sorry I'm laughing you guys <laughs> I, I was adding to the show notes sorry she was making a really good point sir she was and all I can oh, see now is all you cool cats and kittens from the show notes Travis hey all you cool cats and kittens um, thanks <laughs> no okay so and we're looking at so as we move on, you know, you make that one mistake and that becomes the whole of your identity. We're looking at the ugly and we have written there, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. And even Franklin Graham, where I have definitely struggled with wanting to support Samaritan's Purse and other things that Samaritan's Purse does because of things that Franklin Graham says, you know, that, um, that people of who are, you know, pastors like me and Christians, like we should agree with him. And I'm going, scripture doesn't agree with you. So um, that's definitely hard to figure out. And even Jerry Falwell Jr., Liberty University, and I have a long time. I mean, they don't know about me. I just, it's it's one-sided, but (laughs) it's me, you know, struggling where they didn't even allow interracial dating or marriage on campus until the eighties. Like that is a huge issue for me when we were saying that I am rooted in the word of God and we're going to continue to have blatant racism as our norm policy. So I definitely have struggled with Jerry Falwell Jr. and Franklin Graham because they say things and they're saying, you know, it's a national day prayer and we just have to give blind allegiance to places where the only place I owe blind allegiance would be Christ. He alone 
is, is given the full fullness of my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely have a struggle there with what are we calling? Is it someone who's just really well-known who then becomes a figurehead for all of us? Like that's, Oh, that's dangerous. I, and that's definitely probably why I'm like, I don't want people to know me because I'm going to screw this up. (laughs) I think that is, that's part of, um, I guess kind of how, um, how we kind of designated, um, within the show, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly in that in under the category of bad, you know, that might be that one incident that you were talking about earlier and how we don't necessarily want that to reflect our entire lives. But as we moved into the ugly category, we, it to to our perceptions as mainstream um, Christians uh, and followers of Christ that it's not necessarily just that one thing. It has now become a pattern of, um, I guess, not and not necessarily just a pattern, but an internalized kind of way of life that seems that um, does not bring God honor or glory to the gospel like that is um as in like in kind of like how at in the bad you know if you have like one incident one scandal whatnot it you know kind of temporarily temporarily dings the gospel for a minute you know people hear about it and forget it but once you then begin to live that way and just continue in those particular mindsets i guess it becomes um I guess, particularly harmful in bringing people to Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, and, and for Go me, ahead. when I think about, um, when I think about the ugly, for me, it's just like, what are these levels of commodification of each other mm-hmm. or losing our humanity? Um, like C.S. Lewis described uh, in The Great Divorce, how he talks about Napoleon is in uh, hell and he's so far out because we all have our own homes and things, but uh, in hell, there's more distance between each other. Uh, And so you lose your humanity and your humanity is directly tied to your uh, relationships with people. So if you have isolation, you lose humanity and you lose love. And I think for me, when we're talking about the good, the bad, the ugly here, I don't know Jerry Falwell Jr. I don't know Franklin Graham. I have a lot of disagreements with them, but I don't know what they're like in real life, honestly. I don't know the sincerity of their beliefs and this and that, and I'm not going to guess. But I know our points of contention, and um, I I think what I put their names there on our list because I see them as examples of people who – and. People who aren't famous do this too. I do this. We all do this. Um, so I'm implicated, but we take our desires and that and power that we want, um, and we pursue that more than we pursue the person. And so I, I see them as people who are big on the political stage. Um, and this is a different podcast episode, but the desire for political influence and dominating culture and reorienting everyone to your own convictions and desires um, for society. And I think that is a lacking in seeing other people's humanity. So for me, that's the uglier part of being famous is that 
you can wield so much power and influence or riches, which can result in organizational, uh, institutional <laughs> leverage, mm-hmm. and uh, and using that for uh, getting what you want, as opposed to doing the good for others. So, and and on that note, Samaritan's Purse, like you're saying, Shelly, you're conflicted about. Uh, that's the thing where they're saying, let's give back, you know, and we have our disagreements obviously with it as well, but um, just to bring nuance into it, things aren't always good or bad. They're both. And like we are good and we are bad. We are. um, uh, What's, what's a word to say? We have yeast in us, you know, we're, we're rising bread. We have got yeast. So. Well, and I think like you said it best when you said, you know, I'm implicated. I think the idea we sometimes believe that's a lie is that we're not implicated. You know, all of us have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And it's really easy for us to be part of the mob that has a stone in our hand to want to throw it at someone. And, you know, we've Mm -hmm. looked at apostles and early theologians even about how they were seen as famous. And when you look at even the difference between, say, like Augustine and Tertullian, you know, Tertullian is marked as a heretic. And I really respect that he kind of didn't back down from his perspective, even though maybe he kind of got off a bit. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, he did. I love to Tertullian. So he's one of my favorites because he just kind of like didn't back down. But then you've got Augustine as well, who's still really well respected. But I've also, you know, one of his issues is that he saw women as being inherently sinful and seductive and they were just out to get men and make them fall. Well, I've had to walk in the fallout of that with the huge stronghold that complementarianism has in the church where people have criticized my marriage and criticized how I sense God has created me to be. So I think that anytime we have, we find ourselves with a stone in our hand that maybe we should be reminded that, Jesus had the right to throw stones in the mob with the woman and he didn't have a stone in his hand at all. <laughs> and we're not yeah. Jesus writing in the sand. We're the mob with stones in our hand more often than not. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, that was good. So what's our takeaway from all of this? What is our point? <laughs> Let Trav go. Um, I think it's just that we live in a culture that embraces celebrityism. That's not changing anytime soon. Um, and so how do you live? It is what it is. Now what? Right? Like that's the motto I have. It is what it is. Now what? We're in the celebrity culture. So what do I do with it? Um, we've talked about the good, the bad, the ugly. And the theme is simply that I want to keep the humanity of my brothers and sisters, of all people, always in front of me. I don't want to commodify myself. I don't want to commodify others. I don't want to pursue my desires uh, or see my desires more than I see other people and their needs. Um, And I can do that whether or not I'm famous, right? Like uh, if I want to write a book or if I want to be on social media, um, there's certainly a temptation there or if I'm a pastor and I'm switching my preaching methods to digital, uh, you know, it's, it's just important to see the person. All we have is the moment 
right now that's in front of us and whoever is there with us and um, God is there and you want to live in worship and live in love and be light. And so you, as much as you can, as fully as you can see that other person. Um, And that means avoiding jumping to conclusions, the assumptions, the gossip, all those things of picking up the stone, of wanting to throw it, of saying to others, let's throw these stones. And it's um, instead looking inward and saying, how can I actually serve others? Um, Where's their need? And how do I love in this moment? Even if I strongly disagree with this person, even if they have a bad image, how do I honor the other person in this uh, relationship? And often that other person isn't there because they're just on a screen or something. Like I have to ask myself, how do I honor uh, Jerry Falwell Jr.? How do I honor Rich Mullins? How do I honor so-and-so? You know, it's a little different than uh, your friend who you see day-to-day or the annoying person you see day-to-day or the coworker you hate or who hates you. So I think just keeping that simple idea in mind of, Um, I can commodify the other person. I can see, I can lose sight of their humanity and then choosing not to do that and choosing to see them and honor it and hold it um, as something sacred. When something I ask myself often is if you feel like you want to post this criticism publicly, have you first thought of sending it to that person privately? I think that the principles we see in Matthew 18 somehow we think living in a digital age, just, oh, Jesus didn't mean that now. Um, the idea of going <laughs> to that person, you know, if someone has an issue with whether it's Beth Moore or John MacArthur or, you know, anyone in Christendom, like how quickly, you know, there was even a letter from John Piper about Lecrae. You know, my question when I first read yeah. that was, John, did you send that to Lecrae before you put it in Christianity Today? So, or in on your desiring God podcast or on your, your website. And so that's my question often is we're having so many of these discussions that really need to be internal one-on-one conversations. And we're having them in the public arena where that's not at all what Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to have those conversations one-on-one in person, person to person, image of God to image of God. And we're not doing that. We're doing it in the public arena where the other person who we're talking to isn't even there. Mm, yeah that was good would you like to hear my cheesy tie-in or my cheesy wrap-up please do do it (laughs) i think at the end of the day we all really need to remember that jesus is the only celebrity we'll be back Welcome back to the other half. Hey, all cats and kittens. Ugh. And please join us next time when we'll be talking about trash TV and the Tiger King. Oh, um, but as of right now, I think it's time for a new segment. Trav, you want to intro a new segment? Uh, yeah, we're calling it Current Voices. It's the books, the music, uh, all the media that we're taking in and the voices that uh, we're currently exposing ourselves to. 
and we are sharing it because one, it's just nice to know what people are into, but also uh, it's important to take uh, inventory of all the voices that are actually in your life. And I think we often just consume and don't consider it. Um, And so we want to be considering that. Jola, what are your current voices? Um, Let's see. So being that I am still self-quarantining, no matter what um, the governor of the state of Texas says in terms of opening our state back up, I have had lots of time to take in lots of voices. Um, My favorite one, well, well, I guess I will say favorite because I look forward to it every single day, um, is Hilarious Humanitarian on Instagram. That account, she also has the parenting one called Hilarious Mom. She is a social worker that lives out in um, California. And um, she is very transparent about her job, about her life, about her family. And what I love about her account is that she reposts all the TikTok videos that she finds hilarious. Because I refuse as a millennial to get TikTok. (laughs) That is for the Zoomers, in my opinion. I will not be TikToking, but I will laugh at all the videos. (laughs) She reposts all the funny ones, and if you don't follow her, you should go request and do so. Um, Then the next one, I have been reading up on the Enneagram in preparation for one of our future episodes. So I finished the road back to you and I'm currently reading the path between us and oh my gosh, you guys. So much hurty, so much goodness, so much growth. It's just, it's like a, it's a workout for your soul. It's what it feels like. You feel sore, but you feel good about yourself too. (laughs) <laughs> and then <laughs> um, I also have been taking in all of Kevin Stage's content from Kevin Stage Studios because he's hilarious and puts out good content. I'm also a patron for him as well. So I get like all the exclusives and I get to know when he goes live and whatnot. And then I get the Discord chat. And let me tell you, it's lit. Um, so that was a free commercial for them. Um, <laughs> he is I'm good awesome. I love Kev he's so funny and oh my gosh I don't know if y'all have been following it on Twitter but the whole um, versus series on Twitter and Instagram w- where recently Kenny Babyface and um, pick on Teddy Riley have y'all seen that Mm-mm, no okay. well first of all I love you my less melanated friends however Um, I need you to go look up some of these memes because last week um, Teddy Riley and Babyface were supposed to oh I saw that um, basically battle yeah and Teddy Riley showed up with 511 people in this house a full studio a green screen a hype man and the sound was just terrible could nobody hear him and Babyface is sitting in his (laughs) in his house by himself because you know social distancing with his phone and looking moisturized as ever, just ready to go, just looking at Teddy like he lost his mind. And let me tell you, the memes. <laughs> the memes. In fact, Kevin um, Kevin Fredericks had a video go viral making fun of this situation, and it was great. But um, then I've also been um, 
um, hang out with Lovey Ajayi in the chat and chill on Friday nights. I've been working on my 1K one day course with Nicole Walters. And of course, um, one of my other favorite podcasts, Hood Politics with Propaganda, who we mentioned earlier in this podcast. Um, if you enjoy talking about geopolitical issues and you also love hip hop and hoodness, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> those are my choices. Can so, confirm. It's good. It is good. Are you, who, are, um, who are y'all listening to? I'm going to just run through mine. Uh, I've just finished a few books and picking up some others. I just finished Matthew Vine's book, God and the Gay Christian. Phenomenal. Loved it. Highly recommend it. Uh, during Lent, I was reading a devotional by Walter Brueggemann. And mm-hmm. it's entitled A Way Other Than Our Own, Devotions mm-hmm. for Lent. Very, very, very good. I'm not a devotional type of guy. I try to be. This is one of the best I've ever encountered. Ooh. Um, Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy, which is uh, a movie now. And I want to read the book before I watch the movie. I'm very sad I didn't catch it in theaters. So I'm reading that before I watch the movie, and I'm reading it with a buddy of mine. And then I found out last week that my buddy Brad from uh, my church, uh, he wrote a book a while back, and it's called The Special Education and Anxiety. His name is Bradley Smith, and it's a book about uh, having social anxiety and working with uh, special education in public schools and how those two serve each other well. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty fun. And it's more uh, fictional, but it's based on real life stuff. Uh, I've been listening to the Postal Service recently. Just, I don't know why, nostalgia. Uh, so they were fun. And then a lot of worship music in the background, like I mentioned, my son just keeps turning it on or I'm not letting them watch TV. And so we're just listening to random playlists of worship music. My wife has put together. Uh, I'm also listening to a podcast lately called fake doctors, real friends. And it's hosted by Donald Faison and Zach Braff. And those are the stars of scrubs, the TV show. And they are trying to go through every episode of the show and just do an episode per episode. So they're giving uh, commentary and sharing stories, and it's a lot of fun. Scrubs is like my favorite show of all time, so for me, it's a blast. (laughs) And then finally, I am binging unhealthy amounts of 90 Day Fiance on Hulu, and I do not apologize. (laughs) It is so trash. I can't wait to talk about it on our Trash TV episode. Oh my goodness, I'm not there's no way I'm going to talk Chris into watching that with me. <laughs> caress my wife. Caress will watch it with me and she gets caught into it because it's like a train wreck, but she does not desire to watch it at all. I don't think anybody really desires to watch trash TV. You, It's just on and you get hooked. Mm, <laughs> we'll so talk good. about that later. Oh my goodness. Cheryl, right. what are the voices in your life right now? So I guess I wrote this a bit ago. I finished Dr. Cheryl Sanders' book, Ministry at the Margins, 
over a month ago. It's really good. Um, can't under recommend that. I'm also listening to the Duolingo Spanish podcast. I've been doing do so. Jo- Joel came for a visit. Oh goodness, over a month ago, and so I started uh, getting back into learning Spanish again. So every single day for the last 32 days, 33 somewhere there, I just got a new badge. I've been doing Spanish and then German sometimes with my little one, uh, but I've been Way wanting to, to become fluent in Spanish again, and so it's. It's been fun for me. I've been able to talk with some of my friends in Spanish. I had a dream in Spanish. So I guess it's going well. Oh. <laughs> you 33 days streak? Yes. That's so boss. I lost my streak like as soon as I came back. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing that. I think I'm like on day 14 now. Oh, yeah. No, I really like it. I enjoy it. It's kind of been something that's rooted me. I mean, I'm in the, the Bible a lot for my job, for my sanity, you know, because my kids are at home all the time and I'm not supposed to go to my office unless I have to. So I'm trying to follow the rules because I am a rule follower, but man, that Duolingo Spanish lesson every day has definitely, and listening to the podcast has been helpful to kind of give me something else that's mindless, that's not trash TV that I can like (laughs) put my brain into that helps me feel like it's not squandered time. Um, Never Go Back is a book I'm currently reading by Dr. Cloud. Um, for music, Apollo LTD is some worship music I've been listening to. And my husband, he's writing a lot of music right now. So he's, I told him while we're recording, please don't play the piano because it's right next to our bedroom door or bedroom wall. So I've been listening to a lot of Chris Olsen music slash Apollo uh, Red Table Talk. Really enjoy the multi-generational approach of that with um oh jada pinkett smith and you know her mom and her daughter willow and i just i really appreciate that and then will was on a couple of times so i've appreciated that um intergenerational voices discussion Um, the mask singer i have been binge watching unapologetically ridiculous amounts of that show so good (laughs) I love it. And I want to put on my resume that I'm a good guesser for the masked singer. Chris frequently is like, who are you even, what, who is that? And I'm like, who's Mary? How do you not know who I'm talking about? Um, But you know, Nicole Scherzinger is super hard for me. She was, it was hard for me when she was a judge on the sing off. And so I'm having to like deal with my own feelings about Nicole Scherzinger, but I love, love, love that show. I love getting to guess who it is and listen to the clues and, I don't know. I just, I love it. I love that show. Um, How to Praise, another book I'm reading by Pete Gregg. Uh, that's been a good, something else to do. And then the Bible Project, I'm taking my church through a series um, through the Bible for this whole next year, year and a half actually, is about what it's going to look like. And so I've been doing that. I'm reading a Bible Project devotional, which has been really fun to do with my church. And then Raising Dion on Netflix. I watched that with my kids and they totally ruined it because I missed an episode and then they spoiled the ending. So I made them watch it again with me. It was torture. But I love that show. It's so great. It's kind of what raising my youngest child is like. Just imagine my kid can't do things with his mind. He just picks them up and moves them around. Um, and Sherlock. I guess I missed that so on go around from BBC and I just, man, love it. It's I can only do about one episode at a time. I can't binge watch it because my brain's just like reeling from what i all just watched but um yeah that's where i'm at right now with all of my what i'm taking in can i just say the bible project is one of the greatest things ever 
Yes. I love Tim and John. They're fantastic. And I can't wait for the social distancing to end so I can drive down to Portland and have coffee with them because I just (laughs) love the work they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So top five, top five, top five, top five, top five, top five favorite snacks all right the ending segment our top five favorite snacks my top five favorite in no particular order because it honestly depends on my mood french fries a girl loves potatoes i believe that the highest form of potato is a french fry (laughs) don't argue with me argue with your mama um (laughs) and queso slash guac slash salsa I mean, if there's a chip and a dip, I'm there. Um, same with veggies or plain potato chips with ranch. I just, I like a, I like dipping. It's it's, it's fun. Um, grapes. Um, I could eat my body weight in grapes, although it's really bad for my system. Like <laughs> do so. And um, you have also- an allergy, but we can just leave that for another day. I know I'm not supposed to eat them, but I. You know, I took my allergy meds and prayed to the good Lord. I actually don't eat grapes as often as I used to because of said allergy. So um, if I do, it's like literally one or two and I stop (laughs) and then go get my nasal spray and um, pills and sometimes, you know, leave my EpiPen beside me. Uh, (laughs) And then last one are certain fruity candies. And Everyone who knows me knows that certain fruity candies means I only eat certain colors of gummy bears, <laughs> Starbursts, and Skittles. And y'all may think it's crazy, but you know, that's one of the things that makes me me. Because I actually don't like any of the colors that everybody else loves. I only eat red and pink are the best flavors. And that's why you love me, because I only eat yellows and oranges, and I would rather throw them away. I would rather throw away the red and pinks than to eat them. (laughs) So what actually ends up happening is I just save them for all my friends. So like during grad school, when I stress ate my way (laughs) with all my candy, they all got to gain weight with me. (laughs) That's so thoughtful. (laughs) How about you, Cher? Oh my goodness. I'm looking at this list and I'm just like, man, you can tell I can't eat a lot of different things. So my top five favorite snacks, because I can't eat dairy or gluten. I'm already sad. Like two of the things on three of the things on cheese on Travis's list. I'm like, Oh, I miss those. Um, (laughs) um, so boiled eggs, veggies, and hummus is a snack I have pretty often because it's balanced. Um, we eat pretty healthy at my house. My kids frequently complain that I don't let them eat whatever they want. It's like, well, you can go to therapy for it when you're an adult, it'll be fine. So boiled eggs, veggies, and hummus, um, chips and guacamole. I could literally eat my weight, I think, which is a lot oh, of guacamole. Take me all day, but I love chips and guac. So good. Um, the best is when I can make it homemade, when I can get good avocados and just make it. Yes. If I've never cooked for you, I'm sorry. I'm a pretty good cook. Um, let's see peanut butter and an apple. It's pretty simple, but man, it'll hit the spot for me pretty much all the time. It's salty and sweet. I love it. Dairy-free ice cream. Haagen-Dazs has this like specifically Haagen-Dazs has a dairy-free, gluten-free chocolate peanut butter ice cream. I've eaten more of that during quarantine than I probably should have, but it's so good. I blame the homeschooling. Um, (laughs) 
and bad coping mechanisms. Okay. And then also olives. I could just eat olives by the handful. I know you're like serving it like five to 10 and I'm like, that's a recommendation, I think. So I just, I love olives. They're so good. Travis, how about you? Oh man, I love olives. Um, I also love hummus and can eat it with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but as long as there's hummus there, scoop it up, put it in my mouth. Uh, I also love ice cream, uh, non-dairy, and I've fallen in love with So Delicious, and they're just plain chocolate. Mm. Oh, it is so good. It has um, an infinite amount of sugar in it, which isn't good, but it's pretty delicious. And then uh, because of my boys, I'm always eating cheese it and which is singular it's not plural it's not cheese it's it's cheese it uh i also love gardettos that's my car snack so if i'm on a road trip that's what i'm eating and then any chance i get i'm up on cold pizza so weird with my snack <laughs> i mean give it back the northwest unhealthy person <laughs> well i think it's funny that we both have ice cream because the northwest eats more ice cream per capita than anywhere else in the united states which is hilarious since it rains nine months out of the year here i don't know if those are connected ideas because it's not warm here well we eat- i guess i could i could have <laughs> just said instead of ice cream that i eat my feelings <laughs> Exactly. That's probably my favorite snack is my feelings. <laughs> if I'm honest. Can I give an honorable mention though to Lime Popsicles from Outshine because they have given me oh, life no. throughout this quarantine. I have a daily popsicle because I'm five. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's just it is what it is. It's not my favorite snack year round. Just during this period of time, it has gotten me through. That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, that brings us to an end of another episode of the Other Half Podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time with us in this especially long episode. Um, We'd love to hear back from you. So reach out to us at hello at otherhalfpodcast.com. Again, that email address is hello at otherhalfpodcast.com. Talk to you later. Bye.